0: And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold." And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The word of the Lord. This passage challenges our perceptions of Jesus. I think sometimes we tend to think, uh, look at Jesus as a sort of spiritual Robin Hood, if you will, right? He robs Uh, He takes from the rich, the corrupt, and he gives to the poor. He is the help of the outcast, of the blind, the lame, the prisoner, etc., etc. But we have a little bit of a different picture of Jesus here. Jesus is a friend in this passage, not of the oppressed, but rather of the oppressor. Not of the least of society, but the most of society. Not of the kind of widow but rather of the wicked thief and we want to scratch our heads and sort of wonder is this the savior that we really want we rather want a a champion if you will for the poor and the disregarded but Jesus throws the whole uh, uh, apple cart turns it over I guess by loving somebody like this it's kind of a little bit about uh, the election that's coming up you know I don't know if you saw the last debate Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump, two rather unsavory characters, some would say. You know, it's interesting. You can evoke, uh, I've never seen uh, such a polarizing election. To some people, uh, uh, Clinton is the devil incarnate. I'm not saying that she's not. I might get myself in trouble there. But on the other hand, look at Trump. There's some people that would not be caught dead in a room with this man. And yet, if we look at this story and take it on its face value, these are the very people that Jesus would be saying, I want to come hang out with you. I want to come stay at your house today. Perhaps there would be some grumbling in the crowd as they went to stay at the house of the person that we didn't like, the person that we disregarded. The person that we said has no place in the kingdom of God. This passage teaches us a very important lesson. That Jesus Christ did not come to assess our value. Rather, he came to bestow it. And Jesus offers his unconditional love to anyone and everyone. The question, of course, is how we respond. Not our status but rather a heart. Well, in this passage, we're going to take a look at three things. Number one, the offer that Jesus makes to Zacchaeus. I want to stay at your house. Number two, we're going to look at the response of Zacchaeus. How Zacchaeus responds to Jesus' invitation. In fact, to Jesus' love. And then finally, number three, the declaration that makes over Jesus over Zacchaeus' soul. Well, let's begin with number one, Jesus' offer. Now, In between, if you look at Luke 18 and Luke Luke 19, you see that there is a a break, so to speak, in the New Testament. Those were inserted really around the fourth centuries when they started doing that. That's not part of the original Greek text. And so if you really want to understand this story, you have to take it in parallel with the story before. The blind man is the first, and this wicked man is the second. Now how do I know that these parallel? Well, a couple reasons. The first is they both wanted to see Jesus, right? But they were both prevented from doing so. The blind man, because he couldn't see, right? And Zacchaeus, because he was too short. They both went through great lengths in order to see Jesus. The blind man shouting at the top of his lungs. The uh, Zacchaeus climbing a tree. They both were bottom of the barrel, though for different reasons. In fact, blind people and sin- and uh, tax collectors were at the bottom of the barrel. And both times the crowds stopped them from seeing. The difference, of course, is be one is an oppressed person, while the other is an oppressing person. So the question really that Jesus is answering, that the scriptures are answering, is what does... Jesus, think about people like Zacchaeus. A little background on Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. In fact, they call him the chief tax collector. Jericho was a very important city. It was a way through city where Jerusalem passed through, trade routes intersected and went to Jerusalem. And so he certainly had people under him. He may have had people from other cities under him. We just knew that he was a very powerful tax collector. Now, the way the system worked for taxes back then is they would choose someone who made an agreement with the Romans. They would be responsible for collecting the taxes. Now, it was called tax farming because the Romans would assess a specific number for that city that needed to be collected. The only problem was, the only one that knew that number was the tax collector. So, the Romans could have said it was this amount and Zacchaeus said, well, I think it's this amount, the people wouldn't be the wiser. Zacchaeus had the power of the sword. He could compel whatever number he wanted. And so the people never knew. But we do see that Zacchaeus was rich. Hmm, I wonder how that happened, right? He's powerful and he's despised. He's hated. In fact, as a tax collector was considered unclean and defiled. To go into his house was to be defiled along with him. It was permissible in the Mishnah, the oral Torah, to lie to a tax collector. In fact, that was okay because these were really bad people. And this Zacchaeus, I don't know what came across him this day. It says in verse 3 that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He's curious about Jesus. He wants to know more about this figure. Undoubtedly, he's heard about him, but he could not see him. Now, in the Middle Eastern culture, honor is of great importance. It's an honor culture. So a normal person, regardless of their height, if they were rich and important, the crowd would move for them, but not for Zacchaeus. He was a hated man. Zacchaeus would not dare push his position. See, in the tax collector's building, he was king. But someone like this would never walk into a crowd, right? Zacchaeus disappears into the crowd, and the crowd moves on, and there's Zacchaeus with a knife in his back. But Zacchaeus wanted to see. And so what did he do? He ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way now a couple things we need to understand about what's going on here remember in the blind man how there was a crowd there some of it was people coming to the Passover but a large part of that crowd was people from Jericho see when a dignitary or someone of honor of importance was coming to the city the crowd would actually go out and in fact in in or, the importance of the person would determine how far they would walk out to meet them so like a president of a country of, uh, coming, the people would walk 10 miles away from the city so that they could accompany that person and walk literally around his car to welcome him into the city. That's what's going on with the people of Jericho. They've gone out into the country to bring him into the city. It's kind of like the same thing if, uh, if your team wins the World Series, you know, and everybody's at the airport. They haven't come home yet, right? They're at the airport. It's the closest they can get to bring him in. Because the people of Jericho would want to show Jesus hospitality. It was necessary that they would have a banquet for him to honor him and to provide him with the nicest accommodations because he was a person of importance. But we see that Jesus is not staying in Jericho. It says he entered Jericho and was passing through. Well, maybe that just means he was walking through Jericho. No, the reason I know that Jesus had elected not to stay in Jericho was because Zacchaeus was in a sycamore tree. Well, what does that mean? Sycamore trees were not allowed to be in the city. That may sound bizarre to you, but the Mishnah, the oral Torah, when it speaks of sycamore trees say that a tree may not be grown within a distance of 25 cubits from the town or 50 cubits if it is a carob or a sycamore tree. One of the reasons why is these sycamore trees, A, they were huge and they spread out wide. And a sycamore tree, a tree was considered a covering. And so if something unclean happened on one side of the tree whoever was under that tree would also be considered unclean as well. Okay, So I don't know, whenever you look at a city, a Middle Eastern city, you know, think of the movies you've seen, you don't see a lot of trees. One of the reasons is because of how the city is built. Even the, every house would have a little bit of a courtyard. It's in the back courtyard where there would be a tree. But you were not even allowed to have the, the, the bows of the tree, the boughs of the tree, go over the side of your wall so you would not defile anyone if anything happened under the tree. So we have a a picture here. Where's a, a slide here. This is the typical picture we have of Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree right here. Right, you know, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. So he climbs up in the sycamore tree so he can see people. But that's not exactly what happened. Next slide. This is a sycamore tree. It's easy to climb, and it's also easy to hide in it. You see, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he didn't want to see him that bad that he was willing to lose his reputation. He ran on ahead. In the Middle East, a man of importance and honor is never seen running. He wasn't running in the crowd, he was running ahead where there was no crowd. And in any culture, not even Middle Eastern culture, a grown man never climbs a tree, right? In fact, there's even a story in the 1960s, the American ambassador to Cairo, John Badeau, was in the, in the private courtyard of the American consulate and he was up in a tree helping string some lights for a party. Well, one of the Egyptian workers saw it, couldn't believe it. And so word spread throughout the streets that the American ambassador climbed a tree. In fact, the next next time that President Nasser in 1960 saw the ambassador, he asked him, did you really climb a tree? Because he could not believe it. Because people of importance do not climb trees. See, Zacchaeus ran on ahead outside the city so he could climb up in this tree, not just so he could see Jesus, but also so that he would not be seen by anyone. But the plan backfires, doesn't it? If Jesus, when he walks under him, sees him, it means others see him too. And when Jesus came to the place, because he's passing by the city. He has neglected their offer and they're disappointed that he's not staying with them. He looks up at him and he says, Zacchaeus. How did he know his name, by the way? I mean, uh, it's certainly possible that God told him. But remember, there's a parallel between this and the blind man, isn't there? Right? The blind man's screaming. The people are saying, shut up, stop talking. I want to suggest to you that the reason that Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name is because the people saw Zacchaeus and dumbfounded at this man who'd climbed a tree. They started assailing him, Uh, they started insulting him. Jesus, look at this. This is the person that we're talking about. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem to set things right, isn't he? He's going to overturn the Romans. And they've treed this man. They're insulting him. They're, the crowd is getting more and more angry. A lynching might start to occur here perhaps. And they're insulting and they give his name and they turn to Jesus because it's Jesus' turn to give him his come up and so to speak. This is the part where Jesus is supposed to say, repent, ye worm of a man. Look at you who have joined in with the oppressors, who are oppressing the people of Israel. You deserve damnation. Provide restitution. But what is it that Jesus does? Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house tonight. Wait a second. He just spurned the offer of the city of Jericho, who want to give him the best place, the place of honor, a banquet. He's passing by, and he stops under this tax collector. And he says, I want to be at your house. It's not the way hospitality goes, by the way. You don't invite yourself to someone else's house. They choose the accommodations. And so Jesus goes back with Zacchaeus, walks back to be the guest of a tax collector. What does this tell us about Jesus? It tells us that Jesus does not judge like the world judges tells us that Jesus is not turned off by your sin. See, the blind man was too small to be seen. He was too oppressed. But to us and to them, Zacchaeus was too bad to be seen. The exact sort of person that Jesus would never stop for. But Jesus did not come to assess his value. He came to give value. He came to find the Zacchaeuses of the world. Just like the blind men where people said, be quiet. He doesn't want to pay attention to you. They're under that tree as they're insulting him. As they're demeaning him. Jesus says, you're just the man I'm looking for. I had a chance a couple months ago to visit with a a brother pastor, a guy named Lowell Ivy. Lowell is an OPC pastor in Virginia Beach. There's an OPC church OPC stands for Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And so they're kind of like kissing cousins, if you will, to the PCA. They're even considered more conservative than the PCA. They only sing from the Psalter. You know, if you could get more conservative than the PCA. Nevertheless, this is a very articulate man. Showed me a picture of his beautiful wife and his child. He's also a convicted felon. Lowell Ivey spent 15 years in a maximum security penitentiary for a string of bank robberies. He was also a white supremacist in an Aryan gang in prison. Lowell Ivy, the Reverend Lowell Ivy. While he was in solitary confinement reading the Bible, God spoke to him. And he heard the message. And it gripped his heart. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. The only way he could get out of solitary confinement he was in there for like two years was to renounce his ties to the white supremacist gang in prison. But to do that would mean almost certain death when you went back into the general population. But Lowell went ahead and did it. And for whatever reason God's grace and blessing was upon him. And Lowell got out went to seminary and is pastoring a church. If you had seen Lowell with his tattoos and his look he would have said no way. See many of us say I want to see Jesus but I don't want him to see me. Because if he saw me I don't know what he would say. Because I don't make the cut. You know truth of the matter I'm more like Zacchaeus than the blind guy said, so, no, you're not, Carlos. You're a good guy. Uh nah, you don't really know what I think. I wonder if you would think I was such a good guy. So some of us, we don't get too close, right? We're going to run ahead. We're going to climb a tree. We're going to look from afar. But we've got to keep a barrier, you know? Because I don't know what he would say. Friends, if this message tells us anything, it's this, that your sins don't freak God out. Your language, your deceit, your defrauding, your divorce, your abortion, your disowning of your kids, none of it freaks God out. There is no one too far from the grace of God because Jesus not only came for blind people, He came for tax collectors. And for some of you, he's calling to you. Come down. I want to go to your house today. Jesus sees people like that. And so he must challenge you and me, fellow Christian, how do we see others? God says to love the world. And we do. Well, at least certain people but not the nasty people, right? We're not going to come near them. The Donald Trumps of the world, the Hillarys of the world. Jesus wouldn't touch them, and I wouldn't either. But these are precisely the sort of people that Jesus comes near into their world. High schooler, middle schooler, it's that punk in your grade, the one who keeps mouthing off and says the bad things, and does the bad things. That's the person Jesus is talking about. It's the gossiping, cussing co-worker in your office who everybody can't stand is the one who Jesus says, I want to be at your house tonight. Jesus is not freaked out by your sin because Jesus did not come to assess one's value. He came to bestow it. Well, let's move on to Zacchaeus's response. Verse six, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And there's a scene change here, by the way, in verse seven. Keep in mind, this entire story is pulled into 10 verses of what took a day, if you will. How do I know there's a scene change? He has gone in to be the guest of a sinner. See, they're at Zacchaeus's house now. And Zacchaeus has thrown a banquet for him. And the people are grumbling. They were sure grumbling under the tree. Maybe they weren't even grumbling. They were so astonished that they couldn't even say anything. But the murmurs have begun. Because Jesus has gone in and defiled himself by being in this house. And Zacchaeus receives him joyfully. How? By throwing a banquet. Well, who the heck do tax collectors invite to a banquet anyways? Other tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is surrounded by these people, God forbid. And they're eating and they're partying. And what do you think is going through Zacchaeus' mind as he's sitting in his open courtyard of his palatial estate? No one has ever done something like this for me, Zacchaeus is thinking. I mean, Zacchaeus worships money power, and influence. And Jesus had all of that. The whole city goes to meet him. They're lauding him. They want to give him a banquet. They want to celebrate him. And Jesus throws all of that credibility away simply so he can be with Zacchaeus. In essence, saying, Zacchaeus, you're more important to me than all of these things that Zacchaeus has worshipped. And as Zacchaeus reflects upon this costly love, he can't help but respond, right? Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood. He stood because he's at a banquet. They're reclining at table. He stands in front of his guests. Indeed, he shouts it in front of everyone who are sort of looking in, grumbling. And he says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. fourfold. In other words, what Zacchaeus is saying, all my life I've defrauded people. And you have bestowed upon me your honor. You have changed me. Remember, there are only two reasons that people change desire and disgust. He desires this one who has given him value to show him, to honor him. And so he says, I'm going to walk in your path, bestowing what I have taken. The focus of Zacchaeus's life is no longer power and honor and dominance, but rather to worship and honor the Lord. Look, Lord, he says. Behold, Lord. By the way, there's no way that Zacchaeus can do all these things. Think of how many people that he's defrauded. But in Middle Eastern culture, the way that you communicate your seriousness is through exaggeration. There's no way he can do all of this. He can't pay it back. But he can change the way that he lives. And so he wants to communicate not only to the Lord, but to all of these people around him that things are going to change. And so he does it through this exaggeration. Now show me where Jesus told him he had to do this. Nobody told him to do this. See, Jesus has neither endorsed the oppression or rejected the oppressor. Rather, he's loved him. And in doing so, he's given him a new heart. Isn't that what Jesus came to do? As said in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. He's simply walking in the new path. For whoever loves me will obey my commands, Jesus said. Jesus pronounces him a child of Abraham. Remember Abraham when he was tested? Go and offer your son on the altar. The most valuable thing you own, give it to me. And so went Abraham, trusting that God would make it all right. And before he was about to offer his son, before he put him on the pyre, the Lord made another option. Abraham was known as the child of faith. And Zacchaeus moved from being a child of oppression and evil to a child of faith. The next day would come. Could Zacchaeus be a tax collector and love God? He was about to find out. But he embarked on a new path, and there was no going back. You see, my friends, costly love demands a response. In the face of so much love, Zacchaeus couldn't stay the same. And neither can we. The foundation of Zacchaeus' life changed. And so, my question for you is simply this What is your foundation? Because your foundation will establish the trajectory of how you live. Is it power and dominance? Position like Zacchaeus is it money is it acceptance is it pleasure or is it the costly love of Christ we like Zacchaeus are called to live by faith if we've been touched by his life to live lives of holiness to live lives of forgiveness to live after his plan and his commands in the way that we love our spouse, in the way that we love our kids, in the way that we love those around us. We're called to live with lives of love, extravagant and careless love, regardless of the consequences, like Jesus did, like Zacchaeus did, and like we did. Because Jesus is sending us not to assess the value of the Clintons and Trumps of the world. But rather to show the good news of Jesus Christ who came into the world to save sinners. I finish with the declaration of Jesus Christ. In verse 9. Today's salvation has come to this house since he too is a child of Abraham. Now many would say that Jesus got it wrong. See, the way it's supposed to work is restitution, then restoration, right? Just words for Zacchaeus. He hasn't done anything yet. But that's not what salvation is. Salvation has come to this house. What has come to this house? Jesus is the one who's come to this house. Jesus' bestowal of value recognition and Zacchaeus's response to Jesus. The truth of the matter is we can't pay back for all of our sins. We can try but you're not going to do it. But rather it's Christ and our belief and our confidence in Him. Him coming into our lives and saying I receive you. I bestow value upon you. That is what salvation is. Well, what about all the wrong that's been done? Isn't that unfair? Shouldn't he have to pay back fourfold, even though he can't? Shouldn't we hold him to that? No. Because Jesus also climbed a tree outside the city on Calvary where he went up not to hide from the world, but rather to be lifted up to die for the sins of the people, to be shown for who He is, a Savior, lifted up on a tree to die for the sins that we could never pay for. Because Jesus is a tree climber. He gives us the freedom and the ability to be seen, to come down, to be exalted, to be received. Christian, he did that for you. He was exposed so that we might be exposed not as sinners and thieves and wicked people, but as children of God. Jesus did not come to assess your value. He came to bestow it regardless of wherever you are in life and what everybody around you is saying about you, there's one thing you can count on, that the grace of Jesus Christ will never be extinguished and that his heart and love is for all who would come down, that he might stay at their house, honor them, and declare them my children come down if you haven't yet be transformed by his love live by a new foundation experience his presence and grace let's pray Lord I thank you that you came for the wicked people the sinners and the oppressors like me Father help our confidence to be not in our reputation for it will surely fade, but rather in the fact that you see us and you don't turn away and that you want to come incredibly close, you want to honor and bestow your glory upon us. Pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.